hello, everyone. Welcome to Struggle Session. I'm Leslie Wiggy III. Oh, I'm Heather Fortune. <laughs> <laughs> I am Brace Belden. Today is Struggle Session Radio. And of course, we hit, that means we have Heather Fortune in the building. But for the second time on our show, we have, you know, a wonderful, wonderful guest. I mean, you know who he is. He is one of the funniest, most interesting people uh, in the world. He is so... Um, it's such a renaissance man that Hollywood studios <laughs> have already stolen his life story and uh, let it expire. They've, oh yeah, but they got the new thing. Yeah. There's a new Hulu show with a guy that's just a ripoff. What? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I saw that. I was like, of course, uh, the host of the true anon podcast, Brace Belding. Thank you so much for joining us. It is a pleasure to be back in the building, Leslie. Man, uh, so first question we ask on Struggle Session Radio, we're talking about music and we're going to be sensitive and we're going to get deep. So mm-hmm. how has everyone been doing? I'm great. I'm doing great. I'm thriving. How have you been doing, Heather? Are you still in Chicago? Yeah, I'm just cooking and hanging out with the cats, hanging out with my boyfriend, you know, Ooh. just like reading books, uh, going to like churches, different churches, church hopping, you know, just okay. like, I'm just vibing, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm doing great. It's about to get cold there, so I have a feeling that, uh, well, I mean, I'm sensitive to it. Maybe you're not. I, it's already cold here. Yeah. I mean, it's just going to be, you know, like winter, like, you know, time where we just, we go to bed at 530 and we get yeah. up at six and it's fine. Yeah. Yesterday <laughs> was 80 degrees here in Virginia and today <laughs> it's like in the 40s. Uh, Jesus. Brace, how you been hoeing up? I have been going a little mentally insane. I'll say that. Uh, the uh, I'll tell you what it is. Uh, San Francisco, one of the most boring cities in America after 2010, <laughs> and somehow they've made it more boring. Uh, and now that it's getting cold out, it's even more boring. And you know what? I gotta say something. These outdoor dining establishments, great, all for it, very European. Put a couple of heaters in. <laughs> Give me a space heater. I'm cold. <laughs> and you know what? It's not fair that they just put it on one side of the table because then you got to let someone else sit there. You can't be rude. And so you're sitting you're sitting across the table. You might be sitting three people away from this heater just looking at somebody sweating because of this and you're fucking you're you're you know, you're freezing your 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 testicles off. Um it's a, it's a difficult. But I'm doing okay. That's great. Uh, today we're talking about not having enough outdoor heaters uh, at, at for when, when you're dining in restaurants and punk rock music. I That's mean, right. All those right. two things obviously overlap. Uh, they- well, we're, wait, well, it's academic punk, Ac- you see. Academic. So, yes. so this does really tie in. Yes, yes, yes. For this episode. Uh, we will be referring to Heather and Brace by their, their proper titles, which they, to their credit, have not really like shoved in our faces or, mm-hmm. you know, put out there, but they're very quiet about this. But it is Professor H.E. Fortuna, uh, Fortuna mm-hmm. and Professor Brace Belden. Um, mm-hmm. they, of because course. they have studied punk academically. Um, they have done punk professionally and they are going to give us a history a lesson a a lecture on punk along with some rock and punk tunes and we do expect um you know checks to be forwarded to us oh, for tuition yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah but yeah. you can you can see there'll be info listed for your tuition fees <laughs> heather heather did you ever have like a like a punk name when you were like younger uh <laughs> i mean 
yeah, I mean, I have like, I already had, well, there's my, my obvious yeah, stage yeah, name, but then when I was a teenager, I had like a mosh name. Yes. You know? Yes. And it was Heather Radical. Heather Radical. Okay. <laughs> that's pretty cool. And that was like, it wasn't cool to be a radical back then, right? No. That's, no. that's, that's kind of, that's kind of neat. That's pretty punk, I have to say. Yeah. I, don't uh, know. I was, uh, President Chaos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> which uh which uh, that that we kind of that was like a joke one i uh also was later during um during my my garage rock band i was either showbiz or uh bad boy brace belden wasn't it mr showbiz uh i think it was something it, it kind of <laughs> depended it was whatever you know i no one it didn't really catch on we just like i would introduce myself as that when we played I remember you when you were um, like hosting, you were emceeing um, um, Gonerfest. Oof, that was a tough one. Yeah. And you, I definitely remember you referring to yourself as Mister Showbiz. Yeah, at one, well, at I, one point that was that was during the period when like I, I was in demand for uh, for emceeing garage rock festivals. I did like three, <laughs> which is uh, it's astounding. But my career ended with Gonerfest because. I was like, I was really drunk and I was like bored and I was hot and I had to introduce Ty Seagal <laughs> and I like Ty, nothing wrong with Ty, fine guy, but I said something and I can't remember what I'm, it would be much, much more, uh, a better story. I, I'm starting remember to remember this now. I'm starting but to I said this. something really mean about Ty. I was just like, hey, this guy sucks. The band, I, cause I was like insulting everybody, but my thing with Ty just totally fell flat because like. I was tired and I, I just, the way I said it made it sound very sincere. I was like, this sucks. The band sucks. The guy's a bitch. Uh, and it sounded like I was really mad at him and I felt awful. And, uh, that, that, uh, it, well, that and heroin ended my career. <laughs> as a garage rock MC. I guess, see, it like the history played out. The garage rock people, a lot of them didn't really understand punk because exactly. what you were doing was just punk rock. You're, you were given a finger to like the very nice guy who mm -hmm. was just trying to do his job. And I yeah. can't think of anything more punk than that. But wait. Nice guys are overrated, okay? You know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. That, that was the Goner Fest where like J.R. Word uh, like pissed on his bandmates like on stage yeah. and like was like, you know, railing cocaine in like a purple suit and a tie dye shirt, just like crowd surfing all over the place. We, like, it's, we actually pl were supposed to play like a side uh, house show. And do you remember Matt Muscle? Um, of course I do. Matt Muscle threw like a literal smoke grenade, not like a smoke bomb, but like a smoke grenade or something. And it just like in the house and <laughs> it ended the show before we ever played a note. He just destroyed the house show, uh, which was fine with me. I was so tired. And I ended up going to, uh, I ended up going to Clarksdale, uh, Clarksdale, Mississippi with, um, with Mitch Cardwell and this guy Clark, uh, no relation to the city name. And, uh, we we saw this like ninety year old blues guy play at this like speakeasy kind of thing, and his grandson was there. And his grandson, they set up a TV on like a like a like a moving like a cart with wheels on it. And the grandson wore headphones and watched like cartoons while he drummed to his like ninety year old great grandfather's songs. And we uh, we freak danced with the only two other people there, which was a a pair of um, very large women uh, who were drinking Cavassier. Uh, and Budweiser mixed into a glass. Wow. 
Wow. One. So it worked out. I went and did that instead. <laughs> yeah, that sounds see, great. You see, punk stories are the most interesting rock and roll stories. I spent my time in the rave scene. The most interesting stories we have are like a DJ didn't want to play until he got coke, or a DJ did a bunch of coke while playing, or a DJ right. asked me for coke. Um, but let's get into you know this punk discussion, and we'll talk a little bit more after the break about why we are doing uh, this now. So our first tracks on the list are of course the stooges with i want to be your dog followed by Hawkwind, urban gorilla and then patty smith free money free money
And uh, what's up? We are back here at Struggle Session Radio with my um, pals, Leslie <laughs> Lee III and Professor Brace Belden. Uh, I, I, I just realized I'm looking at the grouping of these tracks grouped perfectly in, in basically time period. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. We got yes. uh we got Stooges, we got Hawkwin. Well, Hawkwin I guess is a little early, but uh but and Patty Smith. No, no, Heather- no. That Hawkwin song came out in 72. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's it's early. It's but it's like proto-punk kind of thing. It's all the same sort of genre of like early like it's not like Sex Pistols style punk. It's like before that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um but I fucking love that Patty Smith song. It's, it's her best one. Ah, uh, pissing in a river is but okay. Yeah, that's true. It's but they're very I, different. Pissing in a river is like more of her like sort of slow burner. Yeah, you know, like almost. I mean, I wouldn't want to call it a ballad because it's, it's called pissing in a river. But it, yes. in a way, it is. In a way, in a way, it is. What's up with Hawkwind? That that is not a band I heard before. So you know Lemmy from Motorhead? Yes, yes. Uh, he was actually in that band for a while. They did uh, some songs that later. I think they actually did the song Motorhead. It's a Hawkwind song, but it's it's much more slowed down. But they were part of this like freak scene in in Britain that was like, do you know the science fiction author Michael Moorcock? Yes, yes. Of he course. was like Black their song, lyricist, yeah. um, and it was like they were like real freaks. They were like they they were da- like dangerous hippies and. Uh, and a lot of them became sort of like proto-punk guys too. Like one of them, the drummer for Hawkwind, who's also in the Pretty Things, uh, played, he has this great single called, by The Rings. It was like his, like, he did one single as like a punk and it is their song, uh, uh, I can't remember what it's called, like Brown Shoes is one of my favorite songs of all time. But like Hawkwind was part of this just insane scene of bands, like with the Pink Fairies uh, and, and... I love Urban Gorilla because it's basically a punk song. And yeah. Hawkwind's usually known for like heavier, like kind of like little droney Hurry stuff. On sundown. Yeah, I love that song. That song slaps. Yeah. Um, but Hawkwind is like usually more kind of towards heavy metal. But Urban Gorilla, when I heard that when I was a teenager, I was like, wow, like, man, hippies with bombs? That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, I think the proto-punk era, you know, it's it's really it's really important to um, discuss if we're going to discuss punk academically mm-hmm. um, because, you know, one thing leads to another. Right. And the, the reason I, you know, I put Iggy pop on here, obviously is it's like Iggy pop and Patti Smith. They're both, they're kind of referred to as like the godfather and the godmother of, of yeah. punk or whatever. Um, but really I feel pretty strongly that most of the like essential proto punk came out of Detroit. Yes, I mean, absolutely. most of it did. It was like the MC5, the Stooges, you know, like Death, who was a little bit later, but they were around. Yeah, yeah. The and time. they had that sound. Yeah, I mean, and also like everything that came out of Motown, you know, massively influenced what became rock, punk music and all that stuff. And there's another band I'm thinking of, too. Oh, yes. Oh, they're not from Detroit, though. Um, They are from Los Angeles, and they're called The Doors. So- yes. <laughs> Heather, what's your, what's your feeling on The Doors? Okay. Jim Morrison, definitely one of the first punks, period. Absolutely. Absolutely. Period. Yeah. Because Iggy Pop himself even said when he saw The Doors in concert, that's what made him be like, oh, I could do that. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to start a band. Get drunk, pull my pants down, inside a riot, wear leather, whatever. Like, I'm going to do that. It's, I've always thought, because like you meet a lot of people in punk who are like, oh yeah, fuck The Doors. The Doors mm-hmm. suck. It's pretentious. But it's like, if you like Iggy Pop, you gotta like Jimbo. You have to. You know, it's the same guy. Iggy is just yeah. updated. <laughs> like, literally, Iggy yeah. is entire Also, shtick. Danzig, Danzig, mm-hmm. like, come on. Like, that's Absolutely. literally Jim Morrison First show worship. I ever went to. Really? Yeah, with my dad when I was 12 in uh, Seattle. Your dad took you to see Danzig? Yeah, and Danzig pointed at me. 
Um, and I <laughs> and later went and, backstage and, and had and sex And the rest is history. Exactly. <laughs> that's how I got into the new Misfits. Uh, no, but it's, I, I've always thought that because like, I, you know, I got, uh, like a lot of people, I got into sort of like 70s punk first and then kind of modern, you know, it was like the street punk era casualties and all that bullshit. And then I got into, really into 80s hardcore for most of my like teenage career as a punk but when i heard like i heard the stooges and mc5 i'd heard the stooges before but i got like stooges and mc5 cds when i was or actually lps when i was 16 and my dad gave me his old copy of the the first mc5 record and it blew my fucking mind because i was like oh this is just like punk like there's like it's obviously not you know as as sort of uh, refined, I guess, as it became later. But like, I mean, with the Stooges, you got a fucking guy shirtless on heroin, writhing around on stage, pissing himself. If you listen to uh, the 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 last song, or excuse me, the last record that they did, the Total K- KO like um, live record, yeah, it is one of the most insane performances. So ever unhinged, so, so unhinged. unhinged. My yeah. favorite part is he's getting. You can hear during this live record, Iggy is getting pelted with bottles. And uh, I can't remember what they do, but they do like this long plotting song. And he's like, you paid $5 to get in here and I'm making 5000 So fuck you. Like, <laughs> I always really liked that. I, I used to rip that off whenever we were getting, but it was like for us, it was like, we're making $65. So fuck you. <laughs> we're making $20 for gas. So fuck yeah. you. Uh, but yeah, the proto-punk era, I, I think is, you know, it's one of, it's, it's kind of some of the best stuff. Oh, like absolutely. That, the most, the most enduring, you know, it's like, it's, it's still good now. Whereas a lot of the like, you know, sev- like punk explosion, yeah, yeah. like 77 era stuff doesn't quite hold up so much. No, it's not as timeless. Yeah. It's just not. Yeah. I was uh, like, I listened to, I want to be your dog again. I mean, maybe for the first time in years today, when you put it on the list, and I was thinking, Oh, maybe we can replace it with something like a, another cut, something a little bit deeper. And I listened to it. And I'm like, wait, no, this yeah. song is still like so incredible. It's like perfect. Get, yeah. It's just like a, a, from 1969. It's, it's amazing. It's yeah, amazing. I, I mean, it's insane. And the thing is like the Stooges and MC5 were so closely entwined and actually MC, MC5 and Patti Smith because Patti Smith, married fred sonic smith the guitarist for the mc5 Mm -hmm. and i think the thing that that sort of separates these bands from a lot of later punk bands is actually sexuality because iggy's whole thing was well not iggy as much as mc5 mc5's whole thing is that they were kind of like sexy like if you watch them play like there's a lot of hip thrusts and uh the the guitar you know, you don't need to have studied you know whatever they're kind of like earth wind and fire kind of like yeah yeah (laughs) yeah it's just like they're horny as shit. And like that's the thing that I think really separates like these eras of punk is that it got less horny as time went on. Mm. Proto-punk, very horny. Mm-hmm. Uh, 70s punk, sort of desperately horny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then 80s hardcore, which was essentially chased. Um, yeah. Until you, get, until you got into the limp wrist. Until yes. we get into gay hardcore, which yes, we get yeah, to later. Yeah, which yeah, we'll get yeah. to later. We'll get to we'll later. We'll get to later. Yeah. Yes, but you, you see, this is the kind of academic discussion that you can only get when you have two professors, uh, of course. Here, you know, and here I never, in the house, I never thought about it that way, Brace. That it did, it did really become quite chaste in a sense. Yeah, you know, like it, 
in some ways. I mean, they got straight edge. But then there were, but we also, though, we have to keep in mind, though, like in the, in terms of the British punk scene Mm -hmm. in the 77 era, that's not quite the case because they were super into like bondage S&M stuff. Susie Sue came out of there. She was extremely sexy, sexual. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, all that stuff. So it just kind of depends on like where you go. But in terms of like this kind of straightforward, especially American punk music, like, yeah, it did kind of get like a little more like buttoned up and a little more, a little more chased. It was. Yeah, I never thought I, about that. I, I, for me, it's like I think like a lot of people. I listen to songs or I listen to you know different records when I when I feel a certain way and want to sort of either amplify that feeling or or find something that sort of matches with that feeling. And I, every time in my life where I felt like sexual longing or not even sexual romantic longing or something like that, yeah. I would be much like more inclined to put on like a Patti Smith record. Certainly more than I would be like inclined to put on a fucking minor threat or like a judge record because it has like this more more of this range of feeling. It's in a way it's like more adult, I guess. Well, and also interesting to put a little bow on that on this um, Patty Smith's most famous song, you know, which was which was because the night mm-hmm. it was written by Bruce Springsteen technically, but she wrote the lyrics to the second verse, and the, the and those lyrics are about Fred Sonic Smith. Yeah, it was when yeah. they were dating, um, and they were dating long distance in the seventies. You know, so it was like waiting by the telephone. You know, that's what she's talking about. Whatever. So uh, that's that's um, just a little just a little nerd note there. <laughs> All right, coming up next, we have uh, Detroit band Death with uh, Politicians in My Eyes, followed by Pere Ubu out of Ohio with Final Solution, and then we got Richard Hell and the Vodoids classic hit song blank generation One, two, three, now.
next number is called uh, I Belong to the Black Generation. with Politicians in My Eyes, followed by uh, Pira Ubu, Final Solution, and Richard Hill and the Voidoids with Blank Generation. Uh, three amazing, uh, amazing songs. Uh, I guess I, I want to know, um, did y'all watch the Death documentary that came out maybe five, six years ago? No, I never actually watched it, but I love, I love that band. Yeah, I actually didn't see it either, but that's because I hate music documentaries mostly. Like I, I got really blown out on them a few years before that movie came out, but I, I had heard actually that record before it got reissued. Cause I have a friend who's like a big time collector and he had either a tape of it or the actual LP. And I got to say it fucking rules. Like it's a great rack. And that band got really big and they were playing like normie shows and stuff because I think because of the documentary, it like, you know, yeah, it sort yeah. of broke into the mainstream, which is like. It's great because it's a fucking, it's one of those bands that you like hear on a comp or something. You're like, holy shit, this thing is like, it's cause it's tight. And a lot of those bands that you don't really hear 
or that you hear sort of like, uh, you know, sort of third tier, second tier bands that like you kind of just a song here or there on a compilation or like, you know, you, you see their record for really expensive. You never listen to it. Death for one of those bands is like, you know, sort of a step above, I think. If you haven't seen the documentary, it's a actually very good, very interesting story about this band of these black brothers who formed, you know, a punk band that uh, mostly went ignored. I think the movie kind of a little bit exaggerates how influential they were mm, and mm. how forgotten they were just to kind of yeah. make it a little bit more of a uplifting narrative because it kind of makes it seem like nobody like gave them their props at the time. Yeah. And then when it, they came back. Um, they basically said they invented the film basically argues that they invented punk all on their own, which is isn't quite true. And it's not what the people in the band are saying. They're like, oh, no, we heard like the who and yeah, stuff. And yeah, we were like, yeah. so oh, we yeah. started. No the band. musicians ever actually say it's always some like dork critic person who's like, oh, like this. You actually created this. And it's like, actually, no, I was just like listening to a bunch of other crap. And I was hanging out with like my friends who are in these stupid bands that are from the same city as me. And we were all doing stuff. And like that's well, that, no, nothing exists in a vacuum. That was sort of like during the period when like punk was kind of like undergoing like I guess like an examination from like a social justice viewpoints. You know what I mean? And yeah. like there was a there was a big push to like put punk's roots. I mean, punk's roots are like you know for everything from sixties stuff to a lot of like or like Motown to like the Who and you know that sort of the stuff that all rock and roll would be kind of influenced by. Um, but like the actual story of punk is, I think, <clears throat> a lot like messier and a lot less like, um, nice than that. Like, there were like just a lot of shitheads out there that were like doing their thing and wanted to be rock and rollers. But I think, like, with sort of this modern look back, there's like, a, there's, there's this desire by people to put this sort of like, um, not nice, but like, uh, neat sort of like, uh, genesis for punk when it's like music is much more dialectical than that and like yeah. uh, you know and, and like at the end of the day like a lot of stuff it, it ended up being like i mean the, I, yeah like i agree like i don't i don't think death invented punk or like they, i don't even think they were that influential but like in general punk was pretty influenced by black music i mean certainly like all of the early punks were and then like you can kind of see that loses its influence as time goes on because it instead of the first the first punk bands were influenced by non-punk music the second generation of punk bands were influenced by non-punk music and by other punk music and then as you go forward it's like that non-punk influence gets further and further back and it's just punk sort of feeding off of punk prior to it to it mm -hmm. and i think that's why i mean that's where you get the chaseness and that's where you sort of get this insular like environment in the 80s when it's like Hardcore is hardcore and that's it. Like there's no, I mean, and also like coincidentally probably where it gets a little racist um, yeah. because yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, it's, it, it, it loses its outside influence, which I think is, is so important to like be a, I mean, for me, when I started actually trying to write good punk songs, which is not during my first punk band, a lot of that influence or on my first punk band's last record, actually we covered love and stuff. So like that was there, but like it, uh, that influence is really important. Like I, I, when I just listened to punk, the songs I was writing were just basically soulless. And Wait, then, which love song did you? War Crime covered love. Oh, it was awful. It was awful. It was seven and seven is, and it was like, I, I oh my god, it was. Uh, we will, yeah. That I, I've like memory hold that until just now. I'm um, gonna find it. 
But like, but at that time, on our last record, which was when I was like seventeen or eighteen, I was like really mostly listening to stuff that wasn't punk because I'd only listened to punk for like five years, and then I discovered I actually liked other music too. This is around the time I met you, I think. Correct. Yes. Uh, it would. It, I think you definitely met me around then. Yeah, because I was like big tw- fucking glasses. One, twenty-one, and you were like eighteen, nineteen, or something mm-hmm. when I first met you. I remember because you were you and Dasha were still teenagers when I met mm. you. Mm-hmm. So I actually you, met her. Th- th- so you groomed him, is what you're saying? You yeah. groomed yes, him into exactly, shit exactly. Well, she was she was 17, so but I was no, 18. No, no, no. So he said me. Oh yes, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I groomed you. You did no. You beat me up. Heather once beat me up at a party. <laughs> There's photographs of it. <laughs> I didn't know if I could hit her back. <laughs> Elsa Heather's really strong. She's taller than me. It's not hard you, to beat Brace up. Let's just be real. That's not okay. You oh, are yeah. a bit of a glamazon, though, Heather, I have to say. Yeah. I am very strong. I'm looking for my gun, but I, I didn't can't find actually oh, beat him go. up. We he were didn't like actually we, beat me up. No, he came over to my house. Okay, here's the real story. <laughs> he, he came over to my house before we went to a party. We we drank a, a bottle of whiskey together true. before we went to the party. So we get to this party. It was it was some garage rock show at one of those stupid Oakland house party which one? Lo, not, with uh, a certain Matthew Melton on sound. Right. And we were bored. So we were like in the kitchen wasted, you know, before and everyone else had just like started drinking or whatever and we were already yeah. hammered and like if as you can imagine like just knowing me now and Brace now, imagine us when he's like nineteen and I'm like twenty one. Like we were horrible. Put us together Awful. in the same room, it was yeah. like a fucking nightmare. <laughs> Real troublemaker. So yeah, so we just I don't remember. We were we were like fake fighting about something, which we still do to this to this day. And then um, I just started like pulling fry. We were in a kitchen, and I started like pulling out frying pans and like. Uh, yeah, and then, uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, yeah, maybe I pinned him with a chair. Maybe I well, hit him with a chair. I, you know? I, I did end up yeah. on the ground. That's true. <laughs> so maybe, maybe I, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe I did, but, you know, it was in, it was in jest. It was all fun. Yes. It was fun in games. Fun, fun, fun. I will say, the, the one of the bands that we played too, Per Ubu, is, first of all, I actually have a tattoo, uh, I got when I was 16 by this woman in her house, uh, that's from one of their songs. That's my worst tattoo. It says, Life Stinks, I Like the Kinks. And it is from my one of my favorite songs by them, Life Stinks. But it is such a stupid line to get tattooed on you. <laughs> because people read it and they're like, oh, this guy either is kinky or he loves the kinks. And I love the kinks. The band The Kinks is fantastic. I, I, Agreed. I mean, I'm a big yes. fan. Agreed. Very into their entire catalog. Um, but it's actually not a kinks tattoo. And so... Uh, having to explain like, oh, I love the Kinks, but that's actually for like an art rock band from Ohio called Per Ubu, uh, is difficult. But I, I got the final solution, like a reissue of it, that single when I was like 17. And I would listen to it when I first moved out of my parents' house in my bedroom in the Tenderloin, all the lights off, uh, you know, on Vicodin or whatever, like staring up at the sky or at the, at the ceiling and just feeling like this, like, I you know, I thought I was feeling this just well in depth of emotion and like, you know, like sort of teenage angst and like, you know, deep longing and like fear of the mysteries of the world. Uh, and, and Final Solution really like encapsulated a lot for that for me. Such also, a great was, band. Oh, great just band. fantastic. I, I had Heart of Darkness on my list until I saw yours. And so yeah. Oh, that's, that's the B, that's the A side to the single. And yeah. it's, it's fantastic. The thing is, Per Ubu's front man 
is a 400-pound Jehovah's Witness with one of the strangest voices in human history. <laughs> and he's still, like, very much a Jehovah's Witness. I never was understood uh, how he could do it. I thought this... So- I always thought this song was by Peter Murphy because I heard his cover of it, but never the original. Oh. Peter Murphy covered this... Covered Final Solution? Yes. Well, how do I, as the resident, as a goth, not know that? Wait, Peter Murphy from... We got to edit that out. From oh, Bauhaus. Bauhaus. Yeah. Duh. I didn't um, know that either. Yeah. So then we also have Richard Hell that we got we to gotta do a little... We got to get into a little bit. Because then now we're dipping into the New York, you know, the Lower mm-hmm. East Side, New York punk scene. And for all intents and purposes, one could say that if anyone invented punk as quote unquote, yeah. as we know it today in terms of like the fashion and the safety pins and the rip clothes and like the, you know, the whatever, that whole like New York scene that sort of directly influenced the London punk explosion, it was Richard Hell. Like that oh, was, absolutely. that was who, that was where that came from. He is widely known to, he was just like this kind of scruffy, I mean, he's still alive, not was, but, uh, this like scruffy poet dude who like, you know, was he was in television too though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he did I this I think song. either he was or the guitarist was. I can't remember. I think it was him. I think he was the bassist in television. Yes. Oh yeah, duh, he played bass. Yeah. Um Yeah, yeah, of course he was. And I think I, I there was I Robert Quine, I think, uh was was the guitarist for that. And for he the was really interesting. Yeah, for the Vodoids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a really interesting character too, because he was like this um I, there's a there's an interesting story about Lester Bangs apologizing to Richard Quine because yeah. Lester Bangs, uh, for those who don't know him, he was a uh, like the rock critic, really great writer in general. Yeah, we talked a, about him on our last. We talked, we talked about, this, about this on our last uh, well, episode. Oh, yeah. this, like the first ahead. one on the first episode we did. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, Lester Bangs kept using the N word, and he like he was like, oh wait, that's probably bad to do, and he called yeah. his friend, and the friend was like, yeah, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's it led to a pretty good essay by by uh, by Lester Banks. But Quine's guitar playing is some of my when I first heard it. I, I was I heard this when I was like thirteen because my dad was into the Voidoids in the seventies and he gave me a CD. And his guitar playing on this was like it blew my. It was I heard it before I heard television even. And television's kind of got the same vibe of like really sort of experimental punk guitar. And the Voidoids is I love Richard Hell's voice. It's like the perfect voice. And the guitar playing is just like it, pff, classic. Uh, it's weird. Ha- Richard Hell literally did not do much though. Like he, he put out this. He didn't record. want to. He, as he told it to me, he he um just didn't had no interest in the music industry. Like he did it because it's just yeah. like what people were doing at the time in in New York. He just like people were just starting bands, and he just was like okay. And so he just like was like played in television then he started a band and then and then once it started becoming like a thing he was like i hate this like i'm a i'm a poet i don't want to do this and he just walked away and he's just he's just written ever since then there's there's this record and then there's the other one that's like i can't tell if it's a compilation of unreleased stuff the boy with the dispo no that's the feelies uh it's like something boy in the title or the boy with something um but yeah, Hell is very, you know, for like a man who was probably in his 20s, very teenage. There's a really good story about him. And uh, I can't remember who else. I think Tom Verlaine in uh, in Please Kill Me about like hitchhiking around and stuff like that. And I mm-hmm. was, he kind of was like a Kerouac figure on the punk scene. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. All right. So let's get into our uh, next tracks. 
We have Only Ones with Hole of the Law from 1978, followed by The Adverts, We Who Wait, also from 1978, and then Soft Boys, Insanely Jealous of You, 1980. Wait. Who 
walking down the street Me, I'm just invisible And who or what she walks with makes no difference to me People that she meets She turn them into sideshows And I know if I encountered her That's what my fate would be But I'm insanely jealous of you Yeah, I'm insanely jealous of you Night is black and thick I wander past your window And I catch a cigarette thrown from a jewel-encrusted hand Comes on pretty quick I'm feeling like a crocodile In search of a mirage across the undulating sand But I'm insanely jealous of the people that you know And I'm insanely jealous of the places that you go And I'm insanely jealous of you Yeah, I'm insanely jealous of you Don't know why the people want to meet When all they know is that they'll breed like rabbits in the end Cause ordinary people on the street, they never know But if they can't be mirrors, they'll be friends And I'm insanely jealous of the spiders in your bar But I'm insanely jealous of the hairs upon your part But I'm insanely jealous of you Yeah, I'm insanely jealous of you I just can't let it out This feeling of insanity Is thicker than a barge Upon a shattered heap of coal I know what it's about Like crying from a nightmare And the one who sleeps beside you Cannot hear to save a soul But I'm insanely jealous Of the people that you see And I'm insanely jealous Of the people that I meet And I'm insanely jealous of you Yeah, I'm insanely jealous of you Listen! That we do is just so powerfully strong They call it love The damage that we do It just goes on and on and on Not long enough And everything is dry upon the clacked and twisted hull Beneath the yellow sky The lovers trip beside the ship But all I hear when they embrace is just the kiss of skulls And I'm insanely jealous of the things you never say And I'm insanely jealous of the way that you decay And I'm insanely jealous of the things that you believe And I'm insanely jealous of the stuff you give up your sleeve And I'm insanely jealous of the lies inside your head And I'm insanely jealous of the sheets upon your bed Jealous of the mask on the sheet, and I'm insanely jealous of the stuff inside you. And I'm insanely jealous of the people that you love, and I'm insanely jealous of the things that you 
uh, we're back and we heard some songs and they were only ones with Hole of the Law, The Adverts, We Who Wait, and the Soft Boys with Insanely Jealous of You. Brace. I actually had not heard this Soft Boys song before. Oh. I is. hadn't heard it before. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. I lived in an apartment when I first heard this song. I was living in the Tenderloin with a guy named Dave Breed. Well, I won't say his last name. I know who he D- is. Dave B, short guy. Mm. His, uh, his girlfriend who will call. Short guy? Very short guy. That's uh, so mean. His tall girlfriend. Uh, a? Who I, let's call her A, yes. Uh, later played in a pretty good band. Uh, her baby and a girl actually named, well, it's the same name as you, uh, Heather. Mm. Uh, uh, but it's not, it wasn't Heather. And- I was just getting into Oxycontin and uh, I, <laughs> this was like the, this was like when OC 80s were reigning supreme. And I, I had, I didn't have a computer. I had a typewriter, uh, cause I couldn't afford a computer and I, but I wrote all the time. And I had a portable DVD player that I actually borrowed from Dave Breed, like, cause I didn't have a, or Dave B, cause I didn't have a, uh, a, a TV or anything. And I would rent Battlestar Galactica DVDs <laughs> from, uh, from actually this guy who was in the cuts. Uh, no, let's not. Let's store. not invoke. <laughs> let's not invoke. Well, I can't remember which guy it was, but it wasn't the guy you're thinking of. Uh, oh. who, worked at a, who worked at Gramophone Video was still video store up in Polk. Oh, Street. Danny. Uh, yes, yeah, and I would, I would, I would take a little bit of Oxycontin because I had pretty low tolerance at this point, and watch Battlestar Galactica and like feel amazing. And at one point, Dave just started stealing all of my drugs. Like, I would come back and, like, all of it would be gone. I'd be like, what the fuck? I know it's you. you, You're the only person who's a drug addict here besides me. Which turned out not to be true. My other roommate was smoking crack. Uh, And But he, in exchange for stealing a lot of my Oxycontin, gave me the first pressings of the first two Soft Boys albums, which included this one. And I, uh, you know, I was not, as you say, you would call a pussy getter at the time. And, uh, <laughs> and I would, I, so I, I, I felt like I had like a lot of crushes and I like were unrequited and, uh, and I would listen to, um, you know, I would feel this great sadness and this deep love and I would listen to insanely <laughs> jealous of you. And it f- summed up exactly what I mean. Cause I wasn't even jealous of a guy. I was just jealous of like the air that existed around these people and like their, uh-huh. you know, the fact that like that there was a reality to the, around them that I, that I was not able to be a part of. Um, and, uh, and uh, basically was insane, but I love this song. Cause it's also, you know, we say things are insanely such and such now, but this is the earliest I can find of someone saying they're insanely blank about right. something else. Yeah, it's really good. I'd never heard it before. It was I because I was surprised. I was like, "Soft Boys? Why would he put Soft Boys on here?" And then I was then I listened to the song and was like, "Oh yeah, that this makes sense. Yeah, yeah this makes sense." Uh, you know the Swell Maps, the sort of Soft Boys yeah. adjacent band. Yeah. Uh, I actually know guys who killed by accident two members of that band. Oh shit! What? Yeah, I won't go into that. Well, maybe yet, it's, but... that's a story for another another time. Yeah, yeah, not like time. with a murder gun or something, but but by other means. It was accidental deaths, both Un- unrelated too. Um, this turns into a true crime podcast. Yeah, what about well. you, Leslie? Are you familiar with much of, with the, any of these three songs? 
Uh, no, actually, and I want to say that the advert song, I really, really, oh, yeah. really like that oh, yeah. one. That yeah. one is uh, sick. I'm actually not much of a punk person because when I was coming up, like, I, I kind of want to say this earlier, like, so when I was growing up, like, Iggy Pop was like a guy on Star Trek, right? Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. Was, like, uh, and, and Pete and Pete. Yeah, yeah. And, That's like, right. punk music was, like just like proto mall punk music yeah, right yeah. like i would actually ask my friends and somebody got really i remember somebody got really mad at this i'm like so i've heard you know i remember when i was a little kid like punk was supposed to be really cool and dangerous but like the stuff you listen to is like softer soft yeah much softer than like Soundgarden or yes, like smashing yeah. pumpkins so like what what why is punk like i i didn't understand what the reputation of punk was because i only heard like the really the early Really like mall punk uh, stuff that was coming. Yeah. So I was never really a punk person, but when I got kind of got into post punk in college, I've kind of looked back at a few things and really, uh, you know, appreciate some stuff. I actually really did get into the Sex Pistols unironically and really oh, I did end up uh, end up really uh, loving them and the lore. And that's kind of why this episode started today because you know Sex Pistols obviously probably the most famous punk band and we're supposed to think of them as you know these anti-authoritarian figures who just you know are flipping off the queen and all this other shit and it came out and came it was didn't come out last week but pictures start circulating mm. of uh the lead singer uh uh the sex pistols johnny rodden not looking it, good not looking good he and, was doing he was selling music to like butter commercials in like the 80s like yeah, he has yeah. been uh you know he yeah, that whole myth, the whole myth around the Sex Pistols is total bullshit. They were like put together. Yeah, and he was wearing a MAGA shirt and yeah. people got really mad about that and were saying, and that brings, and they kind of, the reaction was kind of an overreaction because then it became people trying to say things like, I have academically studied punk yes. and I, and if you are right wing, you're not punk. Punk was actually invented by LGBTQ and POC and this. Who can by the, be right wing, by the way? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and i'm not gonna drag this person you can find the meme if you want yeah, it's just yeah. some it's just some rather young person being silly on tiktok but it did go viral and so it was worth coming back and actually talking about what the origins of pop punk actually are and i'm glad you mentioned earlier like it is a lot messier than these particular group of noble left-wing poc um invented punk rock music at some point it got perverted but they're the originators of it and it's a very simple but it's actually not no it's yeah. not at all and that's that's what was so you know i mean of course i i think it's i have i have listen i have zoomer siblings okay who are on tiktok mm -hmm. like getting mad at teenagers you know who go on tiktok and like have really passionate opinions about things they don't know anything about like that's stupid Joe biden that's yeah exactly that's what <laughs> that's what that's what teenagers do like teenagers get really passionate about things they know nothing about and and that's just like a rite of passage and that's how that's they end punk. up that's literally how they end up learning things you know it's like they're wrong about everything pretty much always and then they like figure that out as they live like it's fine but it is hilarious the mm -hmm. concept of academically studying punk <laughs> yeah um and like so as a sociologist yeah and so and so it and and also i felt a call to arms as a professor 
of mm-hmm. um, of of tenured, no less tenured, yeah, undefeated, uncancelable, undefeated, unfireable professor of of um of all things punk and adjacent to punk and and everything that else that I want. And uh, yeah, I was just I loved it. I thought it was the funniest fucking thing. So good. It was one of the funniest internet things since like thirty to fifty feral hogs for me. <laughs> it was so so the the Johnny Rotten thing. I've known about his uh, uh let's say prov- provocations for a while because I think he's doing it to be like provocative. I mean, the thing is Johnny Rotten for some somehow I never liked PIL or pill whatever you want to call it. Really? I love the sex but Oh, no, I really like never my them. thing. Oh, okay. I I I actually am not a big post punk guy. Um like I but heard you tried you to make f- me join your post punk band. I know, but the th- here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. Why that would have been successful. And by the way, I did jam with a bunch of dudes to that band. It was really good. And <laughs> it but, was good. I heard the demos. Yeah. But 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 uh, I I it's like the same how reason I, my garage rock band was successful because I didn't really like garage rock that much when I first started it. I eventually did, but like. You got to just you can't know anything about it before you do it. You got to just do it. And right. w- w- with with Johnny Rotten is that like he seems to have like actually become a piece of stick of butter. That's kind of how I think of him. Like in the late 80s, like he sort of just became like a uh a hobgoblin and uh and a tr- <laughs> like literally looks like a troll. And so it's like Johnny is you know, it's one of these guys who hasn't made anything worthwhile in my probably my entire lifetime. And so it's like all he exists now to do is just to like go to rehab and like smoke cigarettes and like wear shorts. I mean, he looks like uh, <laughs> he's like dark Kevin Smith. Like it's he's it's, yeah, he's like he's like a fucking what's his Ben Affleck, like on his yes, worst. Yes. Like Ben Affleck, like, like his Ben Affleck's like uncle, like Ben yeah, Affleck's he's Ben Affleck uncle. without the Ben Affleck part. Right. Um, but, but that, that is a good point. Like about how like punk did not start left, left wing. You can't really, I mean, there were left wing punk bands, but like they were more like just generic kind of like anti authority punk songs. By people, libertarians. Libert. It was yeah. In a way, like it was. It was very libertarian, and like there were like explicitly communist and and anarchist punk bands. Although most of those came later. There's the Dills from L.A. Yeah. Um. But it was just their manager was a communist, and he right. made them write like Class War and all these songs. <laughs> and like Destroy uh, All Monsters. Cool, actually, Destroy, yeah, Destroy All Monsters was like a collective out of Detroit that was like yeah. Did weird. They had a band and a magazine, and they were pretty like. Radical left and stuff. Too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually once saw uh, uh, Dasha and Julia do a Destroy All Monsters cover band at Halloween uh, at uh, the Hemlock. Um, what? Yes, I just remembered. I haven't thought about that probably since it happened. But How, was I there? <laughs> not many people were. So <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> I was never a big Halloween covers show guy. But uh, but it's like punk is. I mean, you got to understand. It's like it is. So very stupid a lot of times like (laughs) and like you know you have just like guys who are not really thinking everything out kind of catapulted into you know fame or like you know or subcultural fame and like they often do not have you know let's say fully thought out political ideas you had like the mc5 the mc5 you know were were for lack of a better word like commie they were part of that new left shtick you know like they they dug mao and all these people and like you know, uh, you know, they were part of the White Panthers. Uh, 
but like a lot of like punk is like like when I got into punk, my whole thing was like I am uh, a teenager. I am confused. I get bullied. I love loud rock music, and so I'm gonna be you know I'm gonna basically return fire on on society by becoming a uh, petty criminal and um <laughs> and getting into a lot of trouble. And it's like that like like my first punk but we'll talk about this later I guess but like but like I didn't think of punk I thought always thought of punk as like kind of anarchist and like a lot of my friends who like called themselves anarchists and like you know I used to go hang out at the anarchist library at city college and like go to black block things but like it was more just like it, I don't know. It was very insular. And like, I had my large group of friends and I didn't really care. None of them were right wing, but like, I didn't really care what anyone believed and nobody else cared what I believed. Uh, and then when I got older, this was when I was a teenager. When I got older, I started meeting people with like more fleshed out political ideas. And that's when I sort of more fleshed mine out when I was like in my late teens. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Punk is like, like, it's like the Sex Pistols weren't like anti government. They just had a manager who thought that would get them attention. I, it's something I wanted to ask you too, since you both played in punk bands. Another thing, and this is from a lay person, obviously, but the thing I always heard about punk, the knock on them is that no one in punk actually know, know knew how to use their instruments, more or less. Obviously, not true. Not true in, for Heather. Through, <laughs> yes, obviously, but not true for everyone. I mean, but- it's debatable. I mean, I can't, 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 I'm a jack off of all trades. I can play a lot of instruments. Some of them I can play better than others, but I'm no virtuoso. Heather, listen, Heather, this is, this is, uh, she says, bullshit. she, she says, says that, but Heather yeah. can actually play and her bands have like real songs. <laughs> I am on the opposite side of the spectrum where I literally, when my, my second, I, I, I can't sing for shit. And I, you can tell that when we, when we play my, my band in a little bit, but during my second band, I literally couldn't play bass. I didn't know how to play a fucking note. And I never in the four years that I was in that or three years that I was in that band, I never learned. Like I always had to basically be taught or like I would come up with bass lines and not know how to tell someone to do that on guitar and stuff like that. Like I never learned how to play music. I don't know how to read music. Uh, I can't. I don't know how to read music. Yeah. But like now I know like a lot of people that can, you know, right. Well, but Brace, you had like a certain, you know, okay, this is something I said a long, long time ago that I still kind of stand by something I said on like Twitter, I remember the other day, because I like, doesn't matter. Um, But like punk is not a sound, it's like a spirit, you know? Yeah. So it doesn't matter if you're good at your instrument, or if you are good at your instrument, you could still be quote unquote punk. If you're yeah, not good at your instrument, you can still be quote unquote punk. It's, it's more of like, you know, a thing and like brace, you know, you just have like a, you know, shall we say like a je ne sais quoi? A bad you know? attitude. <laughs> you got a bad attitude. And, um, you know, that works. That works for fronting a punk band or doing anything in a punk band. I mean, Sid Vicious couldn't play a fucking note and like, exactly. He's probably the most famous punk bassist of all time just because he was hot and strung out on heroin. Bada bing, bada boom. Oh, and murdered his girlfriend. Yeah, right. Unless Rockets Red Glare did it. Well, yeah, I was about to ask, did he do that shit? Because I I haven't looked into it. I I think he could have, but. I think her drug dealer did it. I think her drug dealer did it too. I mean, that guy apparently was like a world class asshole. Not that Sid Vicious, I mean, he beat the shit out of her and stuff. Like, he was a pretty bad dude too, but I don't think he was like, from all the description I read, like a pussy at heart. And like, I think that they got into with some, you know, some dudes in New York and like, you know, I've been in a lot of bad situations during drug deals too. And I'll tell you what, it's, it's, you know, people, people will murder you. They will murder, they will murder you. I know I've met a guy in a punk band here who murdered his girlfriend over drugs. 
um, the guy from Fang. What? But yeah, yeah. Oh my God. There was this punk band in the 80s here called Fang. I'll tell you this really quickly. The singer was famous. Uh, they put out this, the most famous song was Skinhead Smoke Dope. Um, their singer was famous for being a meth head who stabbed his girlfriend and her like lover almost to death. They, well, she, she stabbed her girlfriend to death. Did a stint in prison. When he got out of prison, I was 16. And I was over at my friend's Brianna's house. It was like an SRO, like an inner city like apartment without a bathroom. And she's like, oh, my mom's in the loft bed. And she's with her new boyfriend. And her new boyfriend is Sammy Town, the guy who <sighs> killed, killed his girlfriend. I was like, oh, your mom's dating a guy who just got out of prison for killing his girlfriend? Oh, like, my God. Uh, but turns out I think her mom killed someone, too. So it's oh, like in the 80s. Also, I, so. I guess. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. This is the true punk crime session here. But I want to say that's only one song. The only ones I think are one of my favorite punk bands because – they have like a real soul to them and their guitar playing is like that same kind of television, like not, it's not the same sound, but it's that same sort of experimental, like willing to go to, you know, uh, to, to for further out than most other punk bands would. And the singer has just such a unique voice. Plus like, I mean, their songwriting is really something else. The lyrics I love, you know, it's like, it's about, I always related to it when I was, I would be, a, it was a junkie because I was like, these are, these are hopeless junkies who are aware of their situation. And I, I was, I, I felt like I was in the same boat. Coming up next, we had Dream Syndicate with Days of Wine and Roses, followed by Blitz with Someone's Gonna Die. I think tonight is the full title and Bad Brains with Band in DC. Days of wine and roses. 
Classic Dream Syndicate with Days of Wine and Roses off their uh, 1982 LP of the same name. Blitz, Someone's Gonna Die in parentheses tonight. Uh, Bad Brains Band in D.C. And that is B-A-N-N-E-D, not B-A-N-D, don't, although they were a band in D.C. And I got to say, I just remember that I actually used to do a college radio station show sometimes uh, in the city. And I played Days of Wine and Roses on that. So this is uh, on, on KUSF. I also played a screwdriver record just to see if I could get in trouble. We'll get in trouble for it. And I did. Were I you on K- Were you on KUSF? Yeah, I took over Carolyn Ketty's show for a, mm. a few. And I, I went, uh, I think you could describe it as berserk. And I just try to get in as much <laughs> trouble as possible. <laughs> oh, these are some good, these are some good um, songs here. Ba- uh, Bad Brains with the famous... Um, for those who don't know, Bad Brains, I feel like, are pretty famous. People will know them. They were like sort of Rastafarian punks from D.C., which is in such stark contrast to the very straight edge and extremely white D.C. punk scene that was not them. Um, but, man, they were fucking maniacs. Oh, now we're into the uh, to the 80s. Um, That's so right. We're, we're starting to creep our way toward hardcore, though we're not quite there yet. Where does Dream Syndicate fit into the the story of punk <laughs> for you, uh, Mr. Belden? 
Professor so Melvin. Dream Syndicate are probably the least known band on this list, uh, but they were a uh, what they called Paisley Underground band mm. from the 80s in mm-hmm. L.A., and uh, and they were basically – it was like 60s inflected punk, but it wasn't garage rock. It was something else. Uh, to me, it's like the lineage is like – they're sort of like uh, White Lodge Gun Club. Mm. Um, but their songs – this record I got when I was maybe 19 years old, and it blew my fucking mind. Not least because of the guitar playing, but also just because it was very Dylan-esque, and I loved Dylan then. Mm. I mean, I still love Dylan, but like – it the guy does all these sort of Dylan like inflections, and his voice has sort of got this Lou Reed thing going on with it too. Of course, himself was trying to rip off Dylan, um, but they weren't like. It's funny because 1982 LA is like primo time, Black Flag. You know, you got adolescents, all these giant punk band, hardcore bands from LA. But then you also had these like kind of like, uh, I mean, these guys sound more like the fucking. Um, I mean, uh, those guys probably names. thought that Paisley Underground were all like hippies. Yeah, you know. I mean, and they kind of were. They were Paisley. Yeah. But Paisley Underground, that whole scene was, was yeah, it, was, it wasn't it was hippie music. It was something else. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It was it was it's, punk it, in its own way. It just went a different direction than, like, it's, it, rather than getting more aggro, which was which is what was happening, you know, uh, in, a, in such a big way, you know, mm-hmm. from punk, there were other sort of offshoots that kind of went in these other more experimental or like lyrical or poetic directions or whatever, but it was still rooted in the same punk stuff, you know, tell me about war crime brace and brace. I do remind you that a certain investigative journalist slash activist will most certainly be listening to this show to very carefully uh, parse everything you say about your parody fascist <laughs> punk band so i will say in our defense we are the first i want to talk about wild thing i mean who cares wild thing was way uh, uh, all metrics a better band but war crime is for some reason the one that's attached to me but <laughs> war crime uh wow uh apparently gwen tried to hack the system the, mainframe. the second you say war crime is <laughs> i get disconnected wow um, scary. Yes. So with War Crime, War Crime was, I will say, in our defense, we are probably the first teenage hardcore band in human history to say the words Hegelian dialectic during an interview <laughs> with uh, with the magazine. Um, was thanks to our our uh, let's say uh, spectrum based drummer. Um, but uh, we we were a band that started when I was a runaway uh, when I was fourteen. I ran away from a uh, cult basically that my parents kind of tricked into sending me to and me and the boys started jamming in uh in concord at our drummer's house we didn't really have a clear idea we decided to call ourselves war crime with a k because uh as like a joke it was like kind of like a none of us knew what we were doing so it was kind of like all like a goof we played our first show at our drummer's high school and our friend mike kitty beat the shit out of a teacher like really badly um yeah sorry to the american (laughs) federation of teachers that are bad uh, it was like a notorious, I've met kids who've gone to, or like guys who went to Concord high, like years later who knew about the show because it was so notorious It almost got our drummer expelled. And he was like a really straight laced, like good kid. Uh, but, but we became very notorious because we had this idea when we started, we were like, we want to be like suicidal tendencies where we have a insane, rabid, violent 
a fan base that we are forced to disavow at every uh every turn which turned out to come true um and mostly consisted of our friends uh but it was we kind of did like a parody not i don't know i, I don't want to call it a parody band because it wasn't like ween or anything but like our lyrics were just like i tried to take the most stupid angle possible there's a chromags uh, song uh, about nuclear war where it's just like the dumbest most bonehead lyrics possible and at at the time i was like we have to do this because we were kind of like doing like a send-up of those sort of bands like a rip-off i guess and so like we uh, we have songs just about all the dumbest shit and like the song this uh, our first seven inch especially the later stuff not so much but like our first seven inch especially was just like me as a 15 year old trying to piss everybody off. And it worked. We had guys breaking our records inside of record shops. Uh, we got our shows canceled, our tires slashed or no, our tires threatened to be slashed. Uh, I got beat up. We beat a lot of other people up and like a lot. We got banned from venues. Uh, and we basically did exactly what we set out to do, which was create a punk band that got famous by everyone being mad at it and by our fans being violent. <laughs> <laughs> see i didn't even when i first met brace i didn't even know about war crime yeah i had just moved to the bay area from the midwest from from chicago and so i just knew that he were you in wild thing already maybe not. i was you yeah were, we just yeah. started yeah so he he was just like you know he we wore like you know army parkas and like mm-hmm. you know suits or whatever and would just do blow and yes that was well that's when we matured yeah (laughs) so i didn't even know until you know i'd known him for a bit and then started hearing you know stories whatever and yeah (laughs) we've played a few reunion shows too that were like pretty that 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 were pretty good but uh we just recently did earlier this year which is or last late last year i guess which is insane to me that that was only a year ago we played a few shows with career suicide down uh down in southern california but it i can't do it anymore i mean you'll hear in these songs I'm going like, ah. and through years of smoking and just being now 30, uh, there is, I cannot do that anymore. It's, I get winded <laughs> after like the second song. Um, but yeah, we, we put out a few records. Our first seven inch was a very, uh, controversial record. Um, our LP was, uh, was better, uh, received and actually, actually it's funny on this list is Limprist and the singer for Limprist, Martine, uh, actually gave it a somewhat bad review in MRR because he said that my vocals were good in general when we played live and on the last record, but someone had put an effect on my vocals, which is true. They put an effect on my vocals and <laughs> kind of ruined the record. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it, the record was originally supposed to be called, um, Mind Kampf, which is the name of this song. Cause we were going for like a later black flag, like blast kind of thing. And we were like, what's the dumbest, fucking like name like most like stoner like <laughs> smart guy you know like stoner guy who thinks he's smart name it's mind comp but i think we ended up calling it get loose and funnily enough a little fun fact the guy who drew the record cover went on to make uh the music for the film kill uh, not kill all normies uh tfw when no gf oh um, yes the incel movie yeah the incel movie so the 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 i think he's like an aerial pinks band it all comes uh, full circle it all, all comes, comes full circle, circle. yeah uh-huh. we're all standing here today yeah so let's uh listen to those uh two tracks uh first we have a uh, limp wrist with i love hardcore boys i love boys hardcore followed by war crime mind Come. <laughs> 
acá uh, We just heard um, a war crime song Called Mind Kampf And also we heard uh, Limp Wrist with I love hardcore I love boys hardcore Heather, did you put that song on? Hell yeah, I did That's uh, They're from Chicago originally, right? No, they're oh, no. from Albany. They're from upstate New York. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. It's just that dude from but Chicago. Martin it was just, Chicago. yeah. I mean, I just love that record. band so much. Yeah, uh, they were like the first like gay band, and the singer uh, well, Martin, gay hardcore band, gay hardcore band. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the singer Martine used to be in uh, what's their fucking name? A really good like very Chicano hardcore band. Uh, but Limpress played some of the craziest shows I ever saw at Leather Bars, and. Uh, seeing Limpress at the Eagle was one of the most insane experiences of my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really an amazing band. I love that song so much. All right. So before we close out. Yes. You got to tell us about Wax Idols. Oh, wait. We didn't. Why did you Rap like with this? me about Wax Idols. First of all, Wax Idols, I still listen to Deborah. All oh, the time. Yes. It is Who one of doesn't? my favorite songs of the 21st yeah. century. I'm not, I'm not sucking your dick. That is a fantastic fucking song. That's so, that's cute. Thanks, Brace. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, but who would call that a punk song? I don't know. Probably no one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Wax Idols. Yeah. Yeah. It started as like a glorified solo project, you know, in like 2009, 2010. Um, and the name actually came from, I was, it's a Bob Dylan, somehow it's connected to Bob Dylan in the sense that I was high and Mm -hmm. I was thinking about the lyric flesh colored Christ that glow in the dark. And then I, for some reason was like wax idols. And then like, I looked it up and it hadn't been used. So that's how the, whatever, but, uh, blah, blah, blah was when it first started, it was pretty like ramshackle, you know, just like me trying to figure out how to write songs and make them sound cool and so there were like all kinds of influences all over the place but the first album was like more garagey punk e mm. with like hints of sort of like s- s- sad rock or post-punk or like wiry mm. we covered wire on that record the, on the first record and stuff like that so um yeah and then it kind of turned into it just the band just i don't know it, it was like a real band yeah, that's that's how I always thought of Wax Idols. It was like a band that had like songs, and you guys like I feel like you guys got kind of big at one point. Like uh, you have a music got, video. You, <laughs> <laughs> we never we were never big, um, but we did we did do like we we were able to do things and get like a little further than like most bands get. Yeah, I guess. but it was never it never quite you know really took off. Like, what but. would you call the second record? The second record is the like second record's pretty a uh, pretty like straight up post punk record like it's yeah, pretty yeah. and it was you know that was in 2013 now sort of post punk revival whatever has like been fully the second post punk revival has been yeah, like, fully yes. in 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 fledged whatever for a while but at the time you know garage rock was like especially in the Bay Area was like so the thing and I just like really didn't want any to do that I was like so yeah. sick of it and I was always into like. You know, because I grew, I came up here. So the thing is, for me, with my with my history with punk, I brace. You said earlier that you sort of started the traditional way, right? Where you were like into seventies stuff first, and then you got into hardcore, and then yeah. you sort of discovered proto punk later. I'm a total opposite. I went from like proto punk stuff and like psych rock, classic dad rock, mm-hmm. whatever shit. I went from like that 
straight into like what was the local sort of like hardcore scene at the time in Michigan, yeah. mid- Midwest hardcore, you know, what was happening at, from in my area as a teenager. So I like went in sort of like a reverse mode where after kind of being growing out of that scene, I went backward and got into more into 70s style punk music and like early, you know, all that stuff like later, but like yeah. 80s hardcore and like, you know, early, even stuff like, like you know, like obviously Fugazi and things like that, but shit like Rites mm-hmm. of Spring and like all that yes. like early weird post-hardcore. Yeah, like that kind of shit was like where I like started with what was happening in my era, moved back into like what sparked stuff like Thursday and Converge and all whatever, that kind of shit that was happening when I was a teenager. And it was like Rites of Spring and like Fugazi and The Cure and like all that kind of weird shit. And then I kind of went backward and connected it all um so yeah the wax idols just kind of evolved naturally i don't know just it just turned into i don't know four albums later and then i and then i said uh, adios what are you doing now i got long nails oh I so you, you can't rock anymore oh uh, no i don't rock you're don't not rock. rocking anymore uh-uh. No. Oh, babe, you got to start rocking again. I rock in my, I rock, the rock, the spirit of rocking lives on, you know? like You got to put out an acoustic album or something. You're retired now. <laughs> <laughs> acoustic yeah. covers COVID your old songs. Acoustic. COVID yeah. acoustic cover songs. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not saying, oh, I'm never going to, you know, put out music again, but I've just been, I've been really enjoying just like chilling, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I lived that life really hard for a long time, like constant touring, constant like album cycle and pushing myself and trying to make the best thing I could possibly do. And really just really, it was really hard on myself, you know, for my whole twenties. And, um, you know, it's nice to like not be doing that anymore. It's nice to just be like, yeah, I had a band. It was cool. I did some stuff and like, who knows what will happen with the rest of my life. Yeah. Cause I'm only 33 and there's like a solid 40 more years left for me to live. (laughs) And like, what's that going to be? You know, like that's, that's cool to me. So, yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Professor Brace Belden for joining us. Thank you for having where me. Where can people find you? Oh, they can find me. Oh, you guys all know where to find yeah, me, you. baby. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course you can find the War Crime and Wild Things singles in your local dollar bin, or even if you're at Amoeba Records, the War Crime 7 inch in the 50 cent bin. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, they're out there. And we are going to close it out by listening to a track from Wax Idols called Dilno. Heather, tell us about Dilno. Yeah, this song is just, it's a straight up like, you know, kind of girl punk slapper or whatever. It's just about, it's about masturbation. It's Dilno. It's like dildo, but no, like I, when, when a dildo doesn't cut it and you want the real thing. You know, it's that's oh, I'm the, familiar. That's what the song's about. It's like saying, I'm like, you know, a dildo only does so much. I want your sweat, your spit, your touch. Wow. We're just like being funny and being girls yeah. and talking about sex in a really like blase sort of like, yeah, like just fuck me. Yeah. Very, yeah. very punk rock. Yeah, it was, it was, it was cute. <laughs> <laughs> 